Welcome to Diverse, the podcast of the Society of Women Engineers. SWE supports the advancement of women in engineering and technology. You can find all of our podcasts on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, and SWE's blog, All Together, at altogether.swe.org. Looking for more information and data on women in engineering? Head over to research.swe.org and review the groundbreaking research that SWE has been conducting. SWE's research efforts include reporting on women of color in engineering and how community colleges may play a role in getting more women to graduate with engineering degrees. You can also check out the annual SWE Literature Review in SWE Magazine's State of Women in Engineering issue. Hi, I'm Penny Worsing, President of the Society of Women Engineers and an Environmental Manager at Torrance Refining Company. Welcome to SWE's Diverse Podcast Series. Please remember to add this podcast to your iTunes and like or follow us on social media. Visit SWE.org for more, more details. I'm joined today by Rose Hollister. Rose will be delivering a keynote address at EXEC, which is SWE's Executive Leadership Program, taking place June 23 through 25 in Denver, Colorado. At EXEC, Mid- and senior-level executives will learn high-performance insights and strategies for leadership development around three key leadership pillars, leading self, leading people, and leading change. Visit exec.suite.org for more information and to register. And exec is spelled E-X-X-E-C. Rose is a consultant for Fortune 500 companies, a published author, and a professor teaching global change and global leadership at Northwestern University in Illinois. As a consultant, she specializes in partnering with leaders to accelerate results, increase effectiveness, and meet emerging business challenges. Her facilitation, coaching, and consulting work focuses on business performance, leadership, and team development, culture, and change management. Prior to founding Hollister Associates, Rose directed the Leadership Institute for McDonald's. The Institute provided innovative development for the top 1,600 global leaders in over 100 countries. In this role, Rose had oversight for culture, onboarding, leadership, team development, and executive coaching. Prior to McDonald's, Rose served as the Vice President of Organizational Learning and Development at Equity Office, where she led leadership and change. Thank you, Rose, for taking the time to join us today. Thank you for having me. Rose, this June, you'll be giving a keynote address at SWE's Leadership Development Program, EXEC. Can you tell us more about the theme of your presentation and how it will benefit attendees? Well, as you just said, the session itself is focused on leading self, leading change, and leading people. So my session is the session on leading change. And every one of us are bombarded with changes daily at work. And if we're not careful, we don't give them sufficient attention, and then the changes don't have the desired impact. Some recent research from Gallup asserts that 70% of all change initiatives fail because change agents overlooked the role that managers play in the success of the initiative. During the session, I'll be sharing a wide range of tools and concepts for understanding change. And then coming out of the session, participants will have a toolkit of both concepts and tangible tools that they can use within their workplace when they are asked to be a part of or lead or execute changes. 
So why is leadership training so important, especially in a technical workforce like engineering? Well, I like the themes that you have for the session in Denver, because the first one is leading self. And the first person we have to lead is ourself. Then some of us lead teams, and then some of us lead organizations. And regardless of being a technical expert, we still need to have a deep understanding of how do we work well with others. If we're leading people, we need to know how to clarify the work. And we have to have skills in working together. Sometimes that's with our peers, sometimes that's with teams, sometimes that's with our managers, but we have to be able to work effectively with others. And if you can't lead well as an individual contributor, or if your current leadership isn't going well, then your opportunities for advancement will be hindered. So what I'd say is that you can be a technical expert, but you must also know how to lead. That is so true. And, and it is something that um, we don't always get in our undergraduate or even graduate um, coursework. So thank you for sharing that. What common challenges do you see for people who are technical experts going into a leadership role? Well, Penny, what makes me smile is you just said we don't always get that in our education. So as preparation for talking to you today, I got on the University of Illinois website and I looked at what was included in one of the engineering curriculums. And there were 40 hours of math and science. The technical core was 52 hours. And then for humanities, 16 hours, yeah. four courses. Yeah. And writing four hours, which probably means one course. So if you think about, let's just take the writing piece. We're all on email all day long. If you don't write well, you can't communicate well, and you hinder how you work together with others. And then you think about technical experts going into a leadership role. That's about how well am I in tune with how to make and help a group be effective or a team be effective? How well do I listen? How well do I coach? Now, people come out of their, their undergraduate or their graduate degrees in engineering, and they're very intelligent people, but they weren't given enough time and understanding of how to work well with others. And oftentimes, their managers aren't necessarily good role models. Exactly. I do a lot of executive coaching, and oftentimes, I'm asked to help a leader who's technically strong learn these skills that might be how do you share work expectations? How do you clarify goals if you're managing people? It might be teaching somebody how to listen better or how to coach better or how to ask better questions. They might need help in how to launch and lead a team. These are all essential leadership skills that most people need help in learning. And these are just essential skills as you go further and higher in the workforce. Amen. <laughs> because I think we've all worked for people who were promoted because they were very good technically, but were not good leaders. So um, I, I wish that you could um, take that message far and wide. <laughs> um, so how do you, oh, go ahead. Well, and as you said, people get promoted not because of their people skills often. They get promoted because of their technical skills. And then that's also their comfort zone. 
So they spend too much time on the technical and not enough time with the interaction, the communication, the the building relationships, which is a key to long-term success. So how does one find balance as you transition from a technical role into a leadership role? I mean, as you mentioned, um, you know, the focus is on the technical expertise, but, but there needs to be that balance. So I think part of it is identifying how much of your work week should be spent with a focus on doing the work yourself and how much of a focus should be spent on leading the work. So let's say that you've been promoted and let's say you have direct reports. Well, how often are you meeting with them one-on-one? I'll come sit down with a leader and say, how often do you sit with your direct reports? And my belief is as a good leader, you should be meeting with them once a week or at the minimum once every other week to understand what they're doing, to have oversight into their work. And I'll sit with somebody who isn't doing regular one-on-ones. If you're leading a team, you need to be meeting with them to make sure they're working together effectively. And so I would say that first you have to there's a term I call get on the balcony. So you get, you just say, this is the 10,000 foot. Let me look at what I'm being expected to do. How much time should I spend on work? How much time should I spend on leadership? And then how much time do I need to be working with my peers and with my manager? A lot of times as people are promoted, they spend much more time in meetings. And so there's much less time in heads down work, and how well does this new leader delegate? Because if the comfort zone is the technical work, I might want to hold on to it. I might want to spend too much time there when maybe what I really need to be doing is making sure the people who work for me are as skilled as they need to be. So the danger is that people focus on their comfort zone, the work, and they shy away from the leadership, the connecting, the relationships that Mm. need to happen. That, that certainly rings true. Um, so, Rose, you were the first female consultant at Prone Ambrose Associates Incorporated. What were some of the challenges you faced or interesting situations you found yourself in working with a mostly male team? Well, it was, I think that Prone and Ambrose, it was Jim Prone and Larry Ambrose, and they were just really great leaders. And they'd never had a female consultant before. So while I was there, I had both my children while I worked at Perone Ambrose, and there wasn't a maternity leave policy. So they told me to write one. Well, I went out and I benchmarked. And at that point, when I had my kids, my kids are 19 and 21, the average maternity leave was six weeks. Well, I wrote up a six-week maternity policy. Never occurring, it never occurred to me that I might have a C-section and that with a C-section, most maternity leaves gave eight weeks instead of six. So I wrote a very basic maternity leave for six weeks. Then I had a C-section, but I only had a six-week maternity leave. So um, <laughs> things you learn later on that, that I wish I would have known. I also needed to learn about just how dialogue and debate and conflict was very different than what I was comfortable with. And I, I still to this day can remember us, just the consulting team, we were sitting around a table 
and we were having this discussion and the men's voices are getting louder and they're arguing and they're debating. And my stomach is churning because to me, this is an argument and we're in conflict and, and I'm not comfortable with conflict. And then the decision gets made and then everybody's ready to go to lunch together. And they're all just fine. And I realized that the conflict and the debate that they were really comfortable with, I needed to get comfortable with. I needed to figure out how to get heard and not be worried or upset when somebody had a different point of view. And so I had a lot of learning to do to get myself to the point where I really could be clear in in knowing my voice and being heard and having a true seat at the table. Um, we also, so that was at Prone Ambrose. When I was at Equity Office, it was, I was a VP. There were about 75 VPs total. And I think 60 plus of them were men. And most of them had someone, um, their wives were at home full time. So there were a handful of us that were working moms with working husbands. And we looked around and said, okay, for our sanity, we really want to work at home one day a week. Well, we helped our leadership understand that working at home one day a week didn't mean we weren't working. It just meant we were working in another location. But with this organization at that time, we really had to help them get comfortable and understand that working at home was a viable option. Wow, that that is some incredible progress that you were able to be a part of. Um, what other advice do you have for, for women who don't have very many female colleagues, who are trying to find a seat at the table and establish themselves in a male-dominated organization? Well, I'm in conference rooms all the time. And what I notice often is that it's still, there are many more men in the seats of power than there are women. And so I think it's a reality for so many of us. And so I really appreciate this question, Penny. And I would say, first of all, understand how excellence is measured. And what I mean by that is do the work that matters most. So let's say there are three different functions or three different divisions or three different cost areas. Which one gets the most attention? Which one is valued most? Which one has a clear path for a woman to be successful? So I'd say, first of all, identify what is going to be measured so that you can demonstrate what you are doing. I'd also say focus on results. So you have to make things happen. You have to get things done. You have to meet deadlines. You have to work well with others. If you want to be successful, those things all count. And so I'd say that first figure out what matters most and then make sure you are delivering day in, day out, on time, to the standards, meeting expectations. I'd also say be really careful about how much time you're spending on things that don't matter to the firm or things that aren't well-respected or things that don't count. So I think that there are always volunteer opportunities. 
Make sure that you volunteer. I think it's incredibly important to be on different committees and on different, on to get exposure and to work in different ways. But let's say that you have three different committee options. There's the company summer picnic. There's the future of engineering committee. And there's a committee on the benefits. The future of engineering is going to get you much better exposure than those other two committees. So it's all important work, but make sure you make selections that get you the right exposure, the right knowledge, and again, things that matter to the organization, that matter to the firm. One of the things that I also say is that it's essential that you've built relationships within your organization. I saw a woman by the name of Carla Harris speak, and one of the questions she asked in this speech was, who will pound the table for you when you are not there? And I thought that was an amazing question because there are performance conversations about you. There are succession conversations about you. And the question is, when I'm not there to talk about myself, who else knows what I've accomplished? Who else will promote the idea of me getting ahead in the firm? And that can't just be your boss. It also needs to be that you've developed relationships with maybe your boss's peers or your boss's boss that there is more than one person who will vouch for you when the question is, is this person ready for the next role? Well, so you did mention um, the importance of networking and mentoring. How much of a role did networking and mentoring play in your career development? And are there any specific experiences you had or opportunities that became available to you because of the relationships you had built within your industry? I thought about this and I realized that after my very first job, networking got me every single other job. And I wasn't networking. I had built relationships and somebody would pick up the phone and say, oh, at one point I used, I worked at the University of Chicago Hospital. Somebody picked up the phone and said, we have a role. I think you're the right person. Um, when I went to Perone Ambrose, I had met somebody in grad school and he said, we need another consultant. I think you should come to Perone Ambrose. Equity office, another friend from um, that I knew said, I'm leaving this role. I think you're the right person for it. Will you interview? At McDonald's, I had known the the vice president of talent for 10 years. And he said, we want you to come. So networking got me every single job. And it's how I now, every, every bit of consulting business I do is because of relationships. So I would say that networking is absolutely essential on the work side. I would also say as a, as a working mom, I've also networked with women who have gone before me, and they've really helped me navigate the balance of how do I balance my work and my family. I'd also say that I network in how do I learn from other people. Different companies are doing fascinating things. And so being a part of organizations that let you learn and have time to learn from one another helps me stay stronger and current and and to be aware of what's going on in my field across many industries. 
I also know that when I was internal and I was hiring someone, I realized that I had a resume from somebody who'd worked at where I knew some, where I had a connection. So I called and said, you know, I have a resume here. It's from this person. Can you just tell me anything? And, and my, my friend said, I just would encourage you to keep looking. And I thought, thank you. You just saved me lots and lots of time. And on the other hand, I had another resume also from somebody who had worked at one of my connections. I called that connection and the person said, this person is brilliant. Hire them as fast as you can. And so I would just say that networking is absolutely essential to my success. Um, the other thing in here is mentoring. So your question was networking and mentoring, and I really see them as somewhat different. So I've answered the networking part. I would say that we all need mentors and we might need many mentors. So I would say that some of these women that went before me, they mentored me in how to balance work and life. But I also had mentors who helped me be a better leader, who helped me be a better consultant, who helped me be a better peer. And so I would say that it's not about having one mentor. It's about having many mentors who are safe places for me to go and ask a question, to get some feedback. And, and the more relationships you build in networking and mentoring, it just builds a community that, that lasts long beyond one certain role or one certain job. So I would say they are both absolutely essential. And they are also a big part of the exec training program uh, that you'll be speaking at and a big part of the Society of Women Engineers. I mean, I can't tell you how many, how much networking I've accomplished as a member of SWE and, uh, and the mentors that I've encountered throughout my career. So, um, yeah, all very, very important. So last fall, you released a book called Nobody Told Me, 129 Unwritten Rules for Career Success. I love that title. What inspired you to write the book? Well, I was working as a VP of Learning and Development at Equity Office, and I was taking the train. I live in the suburbs of Chicago, and I was taking the train back and forth. And I'd get on the train after a long day at work, and I'd think, oh my, they don't know this. Oh, I wish my team knew this. Like, for example, one of the rules in the book is that work functions, they say they're optional, but for the most part, they're really not optional. You need to go. You need to have dinner. You need to talk to people. You need to make the rounds. I Part of this is I grew up in rural Ohio. I didn't know anybody that was in a corporate role. And so this is what I had to figure out, which is why it's called Nobody Told Me. So I had a great family. I had great parents, but they didn't understand how the, the world of work operated. And so some of it is common sense, but many things are just, we might forget to do these. And when we forget them, it's at our peril. In fact, one of the original titles was... Um, it was around how do you avoid landmines? Because I feel like so many things that people do, they are hurting their career and they may not even be aware of it. And so I wanted to really offer just some of what I've learned over my career. I wanted to help new people in the workforce to just have an understanding of some of the things that are so important for their success 
And for many of us who have been in the workforce for a number of years, we all start new jobs. We all need to be reminded of things. And this was a quick way to really help people have some of those insights. So it's on Amazon and it's a real, the target audience is really anybody who is working because it's either what we might not know or what we might have forgotten and we need to be reminded of. And I understand that the attendees at the exec uh, training will also be receiving a copy of the book. So thank you for that. They will. Yeah. You're right. Uh, well, there's there's a new uh, supervisor in uh, in a group that I'm aware of that I think I'm going to go out and buy this book for her because I want her to succeed. Well, thank you. Thank you very much. <laughs> so what advice do you have for our aspiring leaders in technical re- careers? I, I know you've given a lot of uh, advice already, but how how can they set themselves up for success? So let's say that you're starting a new job like this supervisor. I'd say that one of the first things you have to do is make sure you are aligned with your manager. So what does your manager most need from you, if you're an individual contributor, or from you and your team? Because if I think I'm clear, and Penny, you're my boss, and you think you've been clear, but maybe we haven't talked enough, maybe we haven't clarified measures of success, maybe we haven't clarified timeframes, well, I might be going east and you might be going west, and you might be very frustrated with me because I'm not delivering as you want. So I'd say the first thing is really be clear on what the goals are. Be aligned with your manager. The second thing I'd say is that none of us get to be done learning. So the workforce is drastically changing every year. You think about technology, you think about artificial intelligence, you think about the speed, you think about the global marketplace. Things are changing all the time. And so none of us can sit here and say, okay, I'm done. I've learned what I need to. We all need to be staying current. And so if there are advantage, if there are opportunities within your organization, let's say there's tuition assistance, let's say there are seminars and workshops, let's say there are leadership opportunities, taking advantage of those can really help you to get smarter, learn more, and be able to give back in a, in a higher and better way. I'd also say that stay in touch outside of your, of your company. So SWE is a great example of a way to get involved and understand, oh, that's how they do it there. Oh, that's what they see as the trends. Oh, that's how their business is shifting. So the more you have networked, you bring back that wisdom I used to say there was an organization that I was a part of when I was a when I was working at McDonald's and I we used to meet for about 2 days at a time and I used to say that going to dinner alone just made me smarter because I was sitting around the table with people who were doing amazing things and so I always felt like it was such a good use of my time to go meet with other people and learn from them and then I'd say look around and see what the needs are Sometimes you might see a need that somebody else doesn't see. When I was at McDonald's, I looked around and I thought, we are promoting people from within and bringing people from the inside, from the outside in, but I don't think we're helping them to get off to a good start. So I decided that I was going to carve out some of my work time and I interviewed 20 leaders at the executive level at McDonald's and I created with a team 
how do we bring new leaders into new roles? It was wildly successful. It was a need that I was seeing, no one else was. And so because I could go see the need, I confirmed with my manager that this was important. And then we created something of value for the organization. So to summarize that, I'd say never stop learning, get aligned with your boss, stay current, take advantage of internal opportunities, start things, and stay in touch outside of your company. Well, that's, that is a great list. Um, Rose, I've really enjoyed our discussion this morning. Thank you again for taking the time to speak with us today and providing some really valuable insight for our current and future leaders. It has been an honor. I've enjoyed it. Thank you for having me. So as a reminder, Exec 2019 takes place June 23rd through 25th in Denver, Colorado. Uh, don't miss your chance to learn more from Rose and the other influential women executives. Uh, registration ends May 23rd. To learn more and register, head to exec.sweet.org. And again, that's exec.sweet.org. I'm Penny Worsing. For all of us at Sweet. thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to this podcast. We hope you enjoyed it. Please don't forget to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or like your favorite episodes on SoundCloud. If you have not already made plans to be a part of the largest gathering of women engineers in the world, visit our We19 conference site, we19.swe.org.